When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Los Angeles? It's me, your host, Casey Diaz of the Shot Caller Podcast. Hey, listen, guys, we are at the end of the year, and I think we saved the best for last. I have uh, some guests here that I think you're going to enjoy their, their, this conversation. And by the way, um, something some really cool is happening uh, that now we're, we're also listening to outside of the country and quite a bit of our places. So, hey... Without any further ado, let's go ahead, right into it, and introduce our guest for the year, the last year. Today I have um, with me, I have Dave Roman, uh, who since 2016, Dave has served as a volunteer intern chaplain with Only Hope Prison Ministry Ministries in Los Angeles County. He's the senior chaplain at Pitches Detention Center, and uh, quite a bit of people there that are incarcerated Los Angeles houses uh, an enormous amount of inmates uh, throughout uh, the county. And, um, I, you know, those of you that are familiar with my story, I was uh, one of those residents in this gated community that we call the Los Angeles County Jail. Uh, we also have with us today Steve Borgia. Currently, Steve serves in as a senior chaplain in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department jails. And for 14 years prior to coming to Only Hope Prison Ministries, Steve served at the Union Rescue Mission. Welcome both of you to the Shotgun Podcast. I'm so uh, honored that you made time out of your busy days and uh, when you're uh, uh, serving in that kind of capacity, uh, your time is valuable. And uh, I recognize that. And I'm so glad that you you made room for for this to happen. We have a lot of people that uh, are excited to hear uh, about what you do um, throughout Los Angeles. I mean, it's, it's a ministry that is not for the weak of heart. It's a ministry that the chaplaincy uh, in itself in, for the incarcerated. Uh, let's just say you don't deal with nice people on a day-to-day basis. That right there, you know, uh, normally somebody cuts us off in, in, in traffic and, you know, we're pumping our fist and, and uh, uh, our whole day is gone. Uh, through that brief moment of, you know, uh, anger or whatever that is. But you guys deal with an abundance of uh, 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 amount of people that have committed violent crimes. Um, and not just violent crimes. I mean, it goes from, you know, stealing a pack of gum, not paying parking tickets to well, murder, rape, and robbery, and kidnapping, and every, everything else in between. Um, Steve... What is it that that compelled you to come into prison ministry? Well, uh, it began actually when Frank Mastrolinardo, our founder of Only Hope Prison Ministries, he was talking to me a few years actually before I left the Union Rescue Mission, and he said, hey, would you ever be willing to come into the jail? And prior to that, I had had a couple of years' experience inside the jail, having been invited in there to do some uh, 
visiting and teaching for a little bit. Um, but I got really busy at the Union Rescue Mission and uh, needed to slow down my visits to the jail. So, but Frank and I kept in contact. Frank kept recruiting. He says, I don't have any money to pay you, so uh, just keep this in mind. If we do, we'd like to invite you. And God began to help me see that uh, I needed to maybe make a shift from the Union Rescue Mission and uh, leave there. And it took a little while for me to become convinced that that was right. And so after 14 years and being a chaplain there and then also in their executive leadership, I thought, uh, I think I need to make a change. And Frank was right there, uh, just listening to what was going on. And he said, are you still interested? And I said, Frank, I need a couple of months just to think about some things, but I want you to know you're my first choice if, as I decide on a couple of things. And because I had had extensive experience working at the Union Rescue Mission, a very similar clientele to what we deal with inside the jail, I said, Frank, I'd love to come work for you. And Frank brought me in and I got placed as uh, a chaplain then inside Men's Central Jail. And again, the clientele was pretty much the same. And uh, after about a year or so working inside Men's Central Jail, the senior chaplain there retired and Frank asked me to take over that role. So I did so and I've been doing that ever since. And as far as a calling goes, uh, I, I think I can say that working inside the mission and inside Los Angeles County Jail, it is a, not just an observation post, it's literally a laboratory for the transformation of God. You watch things happen and you're able to see God at work in the midst of some of the most difficult, messy situations, but God's hope is still present. And we are able then to speak into the lives of the men that are incarcerated. Um, you both work um, shoulder to shoulder with, uh, with Frank, and I've gotten to become very, uh, good friends with Frank. He's a, a very uh, animated, very uh, uh, happy uh, guy. And when I first met, met, uh, met uh, Frank, <clears throat> it was through a, a, a mutual friend that we both shared in, um, uh, at uh, Shepherd Church. And uh, when he told me about Frank and, I, and the ministry, uh, Only Hope uh, Prison Ministries, you know, that, that right there just caught my attention because uh, when I'm a product of prison ministry, uh, as uh, both of you know, I, I think that what you guys get to see in there, and, and I, like, I love what you said, uh, you, you, you get to see firsthand uh, a vehicle that God uses in prison ministry uh, to change the broken, to, I mean, it, I'm not a big fan of programs uh, as far as city or state or, or government-funded programs, and, and for many reasons. Uh, one of them uh, being that they tend not to work as, uh, as well as they try to pitch it. And the reason, I believe, is because it's a heart problem. It's a sin problem. 
And until that's uh, dealt with, uh, well, man can't, it's impossible for men to change, for women to change. It has to be dealt from, well, the resource. And I think the absence of Christ in humanity, uh, well, it, it leads to destruction. It leads to, uh, to lifestyles that are just, uh, it's a disaster. And you being there, you and Dave being there, I mean, you, to me, you're, you're faith first responders uh, to the to the to the incarcerated community. Um, and prior to to, to uh, prison chaplaincy, you were also the chaplain to the rescue mission. So you've been dealing with broken people for quite a bit of time. Uh, what's the difference between those two? Because there has to be some kind of difference, right? The biggest difference between the two is that at the Union Rescue Mission or admissions in general, uh, they're free to come and go, mm. and they're not—they're literally—they're not a captive audience. So they're free to come and go, and you're dealing with a lot of temptation, volitional issues, same things that you deal with in the jail. But the jail is much more confined. There's a a way of coming directly to them and speaking to them, say face to face through the bars. Whereas at the, uh, in the mission, being a chaplain there, the, the men were required to schedule appointments to meet with the chaplain or you would seek them out sometimes, but they could just blow you off. And, and same thing can happen in the jail, but it's very difficult to blow off a chaplain when he's standing there right in front of you. I've come to visit you upon your request. Yeah. And there's a little more freedom outside than inside. And there is more of a, a sense of them looking at their environment and say, wow, I'm, I'm inside, I'm in behind bars, I'm dealing with these things. And it's a very sobering moment, even if they choose to deny it. When people are on the outside, they have more freedom, they make more decisions that, and more temptation to uh, move away from what's good for them. Yeah. Um, Dave, um and this is the interesting part. Uh, when Frank uh, 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 suggested both of you coming in here and doing the interview, uh, he said, you, you love these guys and, and uh, for many reasons. And he said, one of them is they were both uh, they're both working in the same places that you were once uh, uh, um, an inmate in. Uh, uh, Dave, you're at, uh, at, at, um, at, at, in Wayside. That's or right. the Pitches Detention Center is the uh, appropriate word. Right. Uh, how are you? Uh, uh, how are you involved there? Yeah. So right now I am the senior chaplain at the South facility. There are four facilities at Pitches, and I split my time between there and then NCCF or North County Correctional Facility, often called Supermax. And so I split my time between both of those facilities. Um. What, what's um. What got you uh, intrigued about? I mean. I don't know if that's even the right word to say, um, because again, nobody just jumps into prison ministry. It's one of those ministries that that's it's grinding. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing uh, uh, fancy about this, these places. Uh, you, you get to see uh, the worst of the worst in people. What 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 launched you in there? Yeah. So for me, it was really a case of a brother stirring up another brother to love and good deeds. Just a, a guy at church who had been serving uh, as a volunteer on a monthly basis and uh, 
I knew him a little bit, but I didn't even really know him that well at that point. And he just said, hey, I've been thinking about it, and you should come in with me one day. And uh, I was in seminary at the time, and so he knew that I had some desire for ministry and that kind of a thing. And so uh, I did. I, uh, I sent an email to Frank, and I said, hey, can I get in? And, uh, you know, I'm thinking... I'm just going to come in and kind of see what's going on. <laughs> and he sends me back. He's like, all right, yeah, you can come in. And there's a little bit of a process, but and have a, a message prepared and, you know, throwing me in the deep end kind of a thing. And, uh, but from that time, I've not stopped since then. Wow. And yeah, so it started as just as a volunteer once a month, preaching on Sunday mornings at Supermax. <laughs> and, 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 he, and he places you in... in, in... In, in the worst places of, of, of the entire county jail, yeah. really. It's, uh, it's Supermax and, and uh, Eastmax, right. which are, uh, you know, houses, uh, some of the most dangerous people uh, yeah. in, in the county. Yeah, yeah, so for sure. I, I didn't really know what to expect, you know. Uh, <laughs> maybe that was better for you not to know. Maybe it was, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that was a good thing. But it was yeah. also just a... Uh, it was wonderful, you know, just being able to go in there and see and be confronted with the reality on the one hand that I had never witnessed before. It's like a different uh, culture. It's a different reality that I think most people who have never stepped foot inside of a correctional facility don't have a grasp on. Yeah. And uh, even, you know, you see it in movies and whatever, and that, that says something about it, but it's not the same. No. Yeah. No. I think that um, you know movies and uh, the media portrays something that just is not even remotely close to what it really is. Yeah. Um, you know, being in there, uh, as you know, uh, you see some 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 outlandish violence, uh, violence that is is just to to the next level, uh, and it's almost like, uh, and, and this is why prison ministry I think is so unique. Uh, because uh, who wants to see that? Who wants to partake of that type of activity? And then to show grace, mercy, and love. Uh, I'm curious as how your day starts. Uh, because, you know, the normal normal guy goes to work to a you know, nine to five and they're not going to see somebody get busted up and they're not going to see somebody getting stabbed up. To death, they're not going to see that. That's not what they're, they're not looking for that. But in your case, that's what you see. How do you deal with that going, you know, pulling the shift? How do you deal with that? And, uh, and, and you guys can uh, go ahead and uh, uh, answer that on your own, but how do you go home after dealing with that? Casey, just to respond, how does my day start? Um, usually starts with me searching for a parking spot <laughs> at the jail, getting in, and, and going through main control. And main control is a, an intimidating place if you've not been there before. You show your ID, they ask you where you're going, they give you a green badge, and then you go about your business. And I have an office on the 3,000 floor of Men's Central Jail and a computer there. So I'll get in, get into the office, you know, I've got my set of keys, I get into the office, and I open up emails to see what requests have come through, what do I need to deal with uh, on that particular day. And if I don't have a lot of requests, 
then I usually do a lot of follow-ups um, with that. And um, sometimes there's a request for a death notification. A family member has passed, you need to, and it's the chaplain's job to go tell the inmate that their family member's passed. And that happens about four or five times a month. Um, so there's that particular duty. And then there are times when a chaplain is invited to participate in what's known as an extraction, and it's not a dental extraction. An inmate is refusing to come out of his cell or part of the protocol, and we go there and we ask them if they want to come out. Sometimes it's an engaging conversation. Sometimes it's a rather, uh, let's just say there's a lot of colorful metaphors from the inmates that come back at you. Uh, no, I don't want to talk to a chaplain. So you say, well, I guess we're done here. I'll be praying for you as I walk out. Um, I actually had one gentleman uh, inmate who just screamed, you know, you can't pray for me. And I didn't even respond to that, but uh, anyway, walked out. So there are occasions when um, you're actually walking in into certain settings. I, I believe the story is on the Only Hope Prison Ministry website, but I was walking in what's known as a high power area, 3133, um, just outside my office, visiting with an inmate. And normally when you walk into a tier, there's a lot of chatter going back and forth. Just ugly stuff, not so ugly stuff, but a lot of chatter, a lot of noise going on. And there was this inmate that was yelling to the upper tier and he said to another inmate, he said, hey, Ronnie, I'll just use his first name. I want you to do something for me. He says, and Ronnie says, what? He says, I want you to look up Proverbs. I think it was 1810. And there were these two believers shouting back and forth through the whole tier and um, sharing this information. So Ronnie came back with another scripture. I can't remember what it was for, for David that was down below. And uh, you, you just see some some of these shocking differences. In this particular area, there are two tiers. Um, there's Abel Row, which is on the bottom, Charlie Row, which is on the top. Um, those two tiers, there's probably out of 25 guys on each tier, I'd say there may be 12 to 15 believers, and they're sharing information. They'll wow. do Bible studies like that. They're uh, praying for one another. And that's come as a result of uh, a couple of my very faithful chaplain volunteers spending time, it's taken about three to five years to walk those, those specific rows. I tell them, you go walk those rows, that's your place. That's the first place you go. If everything's good, you can go anyplace else in the jail, but that's where you concentrate. And they've been discipling and praying with and helping guys grow and it's been a very fruitful ministry and in that particular row they have two bible studies that they operate uh, with they can have up to six men come out and they're shackled these guys will give up their roof time their day room time to go to a bible study be shackled go down get shackled to a chair and have a bible study with their other fellow inmates in these chaplains and they do this on a weekly basis. There are other areas of the jail where you see some of the things that you were you know, speaking about, uh, Casey. Uh, just one other quick story just to highlight that. I had a, a guest come in 
he uh, was interested in coming into the jail, and then you and here in Men's Central Jail, when you hear the keys jingling and a lot of footsteps running down the hallway, you know something's going on. Yeah. And so, actually, in thirty-one, thirty-three, but on a different side, in the day room, that somebody was shanked, and uh, not, you know, it's not life-threatening, but uh, there was a fight. Somebody was shanked. Something. Somebody put a word out on somebody, and um, it was just a big, a big deal. And the gentleman who had come in to visit, he said, "You didn't tell me that this went on." I said, "Well." This, I won't say that it happens on a daily basis, but this is not unusual. Uh, and so you, this is what you need to be prepared for. And uh, he and I chatted after that, and he's still interested in coming in. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he, he's, uh, I can see why. I, I know his character, I know his depth, uh, so I think he'll, he'll be coming in. But anyway, the, those are the things that we deal with. So my day starts with looking at the computer, what inmate requests do I need to deal with? Who am I going to go see? And if uh, I don't have a lot of requests, then I do the follow-ups. And for those of you that, that, that are out there and don't know what high power is, um, back in my days, it's probably, it's probably the, the same, I don't think it's changed much, but it houses um, uh, well, uh, people that, are, uh, that can't function in what we call mainline or general population. Uh, either their life is in danger, uh, used to house, I don't know if it does, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, child molesters, um, sex offenders, uh, people that are, uh, they have a green light on their life because they've mm -hmm. uh, snitched or, or, you know, turned over uh, evidence or something like that. Uh, former police are there, or, or celebrities. Is that still the same case? It, it's, there's a little bit of a, of a difference, but you're correct. They have uh, housing for some specific people. Those that have snitched are in a whole different area. The police officers are now housed at, actually at Twin Towers in what used to be the hole. Oh, wow. So they, they move them down there. And then there's others where they're green-lighted, and they are, uh, some of them are on the high-power rows that I, I was talking about somewhere in a different high power area just down the hall wow. from where I am. So, yes, and then they have it, it's for the protection actually of the inmate and the deputies that they do this very careful separation. Um, one other quick note on a, on a positive side of things that the guys that are believers, when you watch them being escorted by the deputies, the deputies you can see a difference, they are very relaxed and there's a conversation going on between the believers and the deputy. Wow. Sometimes it's just a very casual conversation, but they're just talking. And uh, it's, a, it's huge what, what Christ can do, even for an inmate dressed in orange, shackled, walking with the deputy down the hall. Yeah, and, and, and you know what, that, that's one of the, and I love that you said that because it's true. I, I remember, I have so many stories of when I was in there and the COs, uh, when someone has truly turned their life over to Christ, I think they know. I think chaplains know. I think COs and jailers know when it's authentic. And they do tend to, they relax to a certain point, obviously, because they still have to do their job. 
but there is something that, that happens. Uh, and I, I, I absolutely uh, think that it's a spiritual thing that, that they sense that this, this guy's not blowing smoke. This guy really repented and, and he's living it. And, and most of those, those type of guys, they, they put their lives on the line uh, for the gospel because you cannot um, continue in a uh, gang lifestyle. And, and then also uh, claim to be, be a Christian, you have to immediately uh, denounce uh, any membership and all leadership, if you have any, in there to walk a Christian uh, life lifestyle in there. Um, but I, I, that, that intrigues me that in this, uh, uh, in this housing unit, it's cell living, and the conversation is from Cell to cell, Correct. from yeah. wow, man, that that is amazing. And see, this is the thing that that people don't uh, hear about of what the gospel truly does in environments such as these. That the gospel penetrates through concrete. The gospel penetrates through very um, uh, environments that are are not your normal. Uh, like you said, uh, walking into the Los Angeles County Jail the processing and, and, and you know that has to be intense I've never went in there as a uh, uh, to visit someone uh, uh, in fact uh, I, I went in there this is the funny part I owned a sign company for 23 years and one of my accounts became the sheriff's department and so I was able to go to uh, I think what is it um, uh, is it Montebello headquarters yeah. Uh, yeah so I went there and to uh, Civil Brown when it was still open uh, and Walking in through those gates uh, or driving through these gates, uh, it, it just, uh, the first day that I, I drove through those big giant gates, knowing full well that I would be driving out because I was there, just there to, to, for signage, um, it, it, it was a, a, a moment in my life where I see grace, the grace of God, that I get to walk into, drive into a place like this be trusted and then get out the same day because <laughs> I'm only there to do a job, you know. Um, but uh, how, how is it for you uh, uh, Dave, um, on a day-to-day? -day? Yeah, so for me, there's a lot of similarities with Steve. Uh, one thing that often comes to my mind is how a man makes his plans and the Lord directs his steps. Yes. I mean, that's always the case all the time, but it's especially obvious doing ministry in the jail, right? You come in and you have your plans, whether it's to do a Bible study or a service or I'm going to follow up with these guys or whatever it may be. And uh, many, many times that's not what you end up doing, right? Whether yeah. it's just one of the circumstances in the jail or lockdown or whatever the case might be is or quarantine, you know, that's something that we're dealing with these days still, which is always can affect things. Uh, but... I think the encouragement in that that I've seen over and over again is that uh, I come away thankful that that's the truth. Wow. Because my plans don't compare to God's plans, right? right. And he knows exactly who needs to be spoken with today. Yeah. He knows when they were born. He knows what they've done, what they've not done, what their tomorrow holds, right? And he's worked in the same way in my life and in this miraculous, providential way uh, through a million and one circumstances yeah. changes my path, changes this person's path, 
And here we are, and it just becomes a moment of thanksgiving and of praise, you know? I mean, I think just one maybe quick story that sticks out in my mind when I think about that. Uh, I do spend a lot of my time at the South facility, and that's a little bit different. That's a medium security facility. It's, uh, they have different barracks. And so one blessing is that we have a chapel that we use regularly, and so we can pull inmates out into the chapel for services, and, uh, which is great. And so usually on a, when we have a slot in the chapel, we'll go and we'll, I'll have a plan keeping track, okay, whose turn is it, which barrack that we're going to pull men from. And uh, so this particular day, I had another volunteer with me, as is often the case, and uh, I had a list. And we went to the first barrack and nobody wanted to come. Mm. And that doesn't happen very often. And then we went to the second barrack and nobody wanted to come. And I was, what's going on here? This yeah. is weird, you know? And then we went to the third barrack and still nobody wanted to come. And, uh, you know, we had prayed earlier before we set out to gather the inmates that the Lord would direct our steps. And we often do that. And, uh, but I was a little bit frustrated in the moment. I was like, what's what's happening here? And so then I said, all right, well, we'll, we'll try another barrack. And so we went down and uh, one guy wanted to come. But he was a guy who I had met with previously, from, and he'd been moved. And I didn't know he'd been moved, and we'd had really some good gospel conversations. And somebody had told him, yeah, you know, they really, we don't have services very often down here. And so, and so he was praying, this man, he, he was praying, Lord, please help me to, help me. Please send somebody my way. And uh, so, no, 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 and here we are at his barrack. And the Lord just directed our steps. And it was a wonderful lesson in his life about the Lord answering prayer. He'd just been praying that they would have a service. Wow. And so now we get to sit down with him and just have a conversation for half an hour, 45 minutes. And uh, it's stuck in my mind, and I'm, I'm sure that it's stuck in his, just of the Lord's wisdom. And, man, I would, I would love to speak with a person who's been seeking uh, the gospel and encouragement. And uh, he, he provided that situation. So just things like that often give me uh, encouragement as I'm facing just uncertainties and not knowing what's going to come. But knowing that God does, and not only does he know, but he's in perfect control. And, and that's amazing. I mean, you know, and, and they're, they're faith builders yeah. in, in our life. That's you right. Know, because you see God's mighty hand, powerful hand. Moving in situations, I I said this uh, at a Bible study uh, this Saturday morning. I teach men's Bible study here, actually, mm -hmm. and uh, I share this a lot. Uh, I, I, it's almost like God is a master chess player, moving pieces, right? It, it strategically, um, like you could have went into the second, uh, you know, uh, housing unit and and said, well, maybe it's not. Maybe today's a, a wash and, and right. that's it. But you didn't. And, 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 and this is why I think uh, like spending time with God, adequate time with God, not being in a hurry to, to, to get out of God's presence in, in, in our study, in our alone time with God, uh, taking our time. I think that has a lot to do with how we listen to the instruction, right? And, and how we don't give up. Because uh, it would have been very easy to just say, well, that's it. And, you know, 
let's close off the day or let's get to the other thing. Right. But God's appointment was with that one guy. And I think um, that, that, that says a lot. Um, I don't know how many times throughout the day we get that opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. And we're, we're traffic directors. That's really what, what we are. We point to him. We never point to us. We don't point to our ministries or to what we're doing. You know, it, it, we, we're, we're to point to him because he's the one that makes all the difference in, in the lives of people. Uh, and, and, and what a privilege it is for us to even be on the playing field, you know, to be part of the team. What, 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 a, what an honor to be co-laborers with Christ in this vast uh, uh, playing field called ministry. You know, uh, so what a great story, man. Uh, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, one of the things that, that, that I heard Frank say to me in a conversation was, uh, he used to uh, uh, work with a, a children's ministry uh, where he, uh, you know, he did fundraising and, and all that. And uh, he said he, th that was one of the most easiest ministries he, he's ever worked with in particular when it comes to finances because, you know, you could say, you know, the kids are hungry and buckets of finances would just be poured into ministries like that. But when you talk about prison ministry, because it still takes funding to, to make this vehicle go. And um, when we talk about prison ministry, the people kind of just go, eh, I don't know about that. You know, they belong there. That's that's, And even in the church, I, I've had many situations where I've overheard somebody say, you know, well, they belong there. They, let's throw away the key. Let, let, let's forget about them. This is a very important place where I think our our audience, uh, whether you're you're listening to them, listening uh, in on us on this conversation and on your uh, way to work or school or, or coming back from work, Whatever the case is, understand that these are still people, and 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 they, you know, yes, they need to pay the price. They they need to to pay the price for the crimes that that, that were committed. But they're also still people, and, and that's the hard part for us, right? Because we 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 categorize people. We we tend to do that. Uh, the, these guys are, are worth this, these guys are worth that, but these guys, these guys, they don't have nothing coming to them. In fact, we want them to see that, you know, we want them to never see the day, the time of day uh, because they've done this or that. Talk to us about um, your organization because it has to, you know, uh, I talked to Frank and, and, and I let him know that we're going to run one of your uh, your your uh, your ads on on this podcast. One because I know it, it, it's it's needed. Uh, whether they're uh, whether pre people are imprisoned uh, spiritually or physically, you still need Jesus, man. That, that that's just plain and simple. Um, you could be a CEO. You could be listening to me right now or to this conversation with us, and you could be a CEO on top of your 150th floor with a beautiful view 
And if you are lost without Christ, if you if you don't have Christ in your life, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, the destination is the same. If you die without Christ, the destination is hell for eternity. So it doesn't matter whether someone is, the, the gospel is for the rich and for the poor and for those in between. The gospel is for everybody, uh, no matter what we've done. And it's the, the reason why he died and was buried and is raised uh, from the dead. Tell us about how can people help and, and, and why should people help in your, in, in your point of view? Well, first and foremost, uh, the only difference between, say, me or other people and that inmate it's not just behavior, it's just, I, I usually tell people, so what, what's the difference? And I said, the color of their clothes. Hmm. I said, somebody's dressed in blue, and I have street clothes, it's the color of their clothes. And I said, number two, they need the gospel, and they need to sense their own dignity as being made in the image of God. So the gospel's presented, and the dignity um, that is there is that somebody is listening to them and showing them respect for who they are as a human being, it, even if they're somewhat disrespectful. Um, and that's not often a chaplain coming in as a special visit for most of the inmates. But the, the issue is, is that we're bringing the gospel and we're bringing a sense of them being made in the image of God and just by our presence and by our words. And it takes resources to make that happen. And without those resources, the gospel isn't, isn't spread to the people who need it and to the people who want to hear it. Um, one, one quick story that I think fits with that uh, is that I was walking down the hall with a, uh, an intern that was from the seminary. Um, we were walking down the hall and we had to carry these clear plastic bags. And in uh, the plastic bag was uh, a tract, well, more than a tract, it was a booklet about Christmas and it said, Jesus, the light of the world. This inmate that was waiting to go to the medical clinic got up and stopped us and said, I, I want to talk to you about that book. Mm. And I need, I need to have, you know, understand that. And so we had an opportunity in the middle of a hallway, people going back and forth to speak the gospel into his life, to pray with him. He didn't receive Christ right then and there, but to pray with him because he said, I need prayer, I have kids, I have this, some of this background. And so I followed up the next day. So follow-up is important. It gives them dignity. I've heard them. I care about them. It turns out that he's housed with a believer, an wow. inmate who's a believer. And this believer said, hey, I was at Supermax, and I did Fundamentals of the Faith, which is our requirement for them to get a study Bible. I never got my study Bible. I said, I'm going to take it on your word that it's true. And I'm going to bring you back a study Bible. So I came back that afternoon because I had the opportunity. And his face lit up. Tears came to his eyes. And we got to pray with both of them. And now there's going to be a little more follow-up with these two, two inmates that one that needs encouragement in Christ, who's already a believer, and the other one who's on, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way, he's got one foot on a banana peel and the other in the kingdom. <laughs> okay, 
So, you know, he's ready, he's ready to come into the kingdom. But without resource, without the ability of people wanting to come in and do that, and having the resources to bring to that, we don't have those opportunities like Dave's talking about. I mean, what a story. I mean, I've got a couple of them that I could share, but Dave's story just pretty much says it all. You're focused on bringing the gospel, bringing, and I, I use this term dignity, not dignity in this humanistic sense, but dignity that they don't often feel that they're made in the image of God, that Christ has died for them. That speaks volumes, yeah. and we want to be doing that. So resources are necessary. We need all kinds of things, but certainly um, if I, you know, it, it, it's just important that we have the funding, resources, and volunteers. I have a lot of volunteers that come in and they work for free, um, but we also need to be able to resource them with materials and uh, education, you know, like tools, that kind of thing, tools. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, um, one of the things that I, that I love about uh, your ministry, uh, Only Hope uh, Prison Ministries, is that the selectiveness of individuals. Uh, I think Frank has uh, pioneered something really special here. Um, you know, at the time, and, and I know that not everybody that's a, in prison ministry really has a heart for it. There are some that just, it, it's almost like, you know, they're, they're just in there and they're out of there. It's almost like a community service for them. And that's all it is. I think prison ministry, when, when it's biblical, it's fruitful. When it's biblical, it's fruitful. And I think that uh, Frank has done an incredible job in making sure that uh, the literature that is uh, passed out in there, um, that, that, that men and women in the county jail uh, are receiving uh, an intake of healthy, sound teaching uh, with books and, and, and pamphlets and everything else that you guys use in there. It's important because I think that, you know, there's two things, right? Like, the grace and the mercy has to be there. But the truth has to be there alongside of that. And when we when we just hand them out uh, literature that, that, that in some cases, I believe, the, the does worse than, than any good. Uh, you're handing out uh, stuff that, you know, and, and I'm going to say it, uh, that's wishy-washy, that's unbiblical, that has to deal with um, how you could become the next big thing uh, out here when you get out, uh, you know, how special you are. And, 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 and when I read the scriptures, I find out that I'm a wretched guy. I, 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 you know, I, I need to die daily. If Paul says he has to die daily, um, hello somebody, I need to die daily. Uh, um, you know, so it, it's important. And, and what I uh, was enamored by uh, this ministry is that it's, it's doing it the Bible way. And when you do it the Bible way, it makes a difference in the lives of people. It just really does. Uh, you know, I, I, I love that uh, books from 
Joel Holstein and stuff like that was the done. You know, we, we don't need that stuff. We need solid food. We, you know, yes, for the for the new believer, they need they need milk, but that milk needs to be <laughs> vitamin B from the Bible. It doesn't need to be some watered down. You know, it, 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 we don't need that. One of the things that that I think uh, helped me. Uh, not that I think, I know that helped me, was that this prison ministry that, that came and visited me, they abounded in grace. They abounded in mercy. They made me feel like a human. But they also told me the truth. And when I, you know, just like anybody, you know, uh, we tend to kind of go sideways. Sometimes we have better days than others. And in those times when they came or, or, you know, or through letter writing, uh, they can hear my frustration or my anger or whatever that case uh, was, they weren't afraid to tell me the truth. And they gave me the Bible. They gave me the Word of God. And that made the difference. And, and, and I think this is what Only Hope uh, Prison Ministries does to the community uh, uh, of the incarcerated. Not only are you you know, making these guys feel like humans because they are, uh, but you're giving them truth. And, and, and this is this is a chaplaincy. This is a ministry that I, I'm going to support. I'm going to do whatever I can. Uh, and this is why I agreed with uh, uh, and, and offered that ad to be placed uh, throughout the 2023. Um, I think it's important. I, I think it's important for people that are listening to us uh, on this episode, uh, to get on board, to see that there there are prison ministries that do work, and um, Dave, I, I want to. Uh, can you share with me uh, with us um, someone uh, that? But yeah, I know you shared uh, one of uh, the guys in there. Yeah. But who else have, <clears throat> have you seen a, a, a dramatic change, a, an authentic change in in another individual yeah. that perhaps you you. Uh, you can tell us about. Yeah, wow. There's a there's a bunch that come to mind, but I guess uh, one that I'm thinking of is I was I was speaking or I was thinking before as you were talking just about uh, one thought that was in my mind was how important it is to have a consistent presence there, and that's one one thing that having support allows, right? So having somebody who is supported and able to be there consistently makes a big difference. It makes a big difference on a number of levels. One, even just with the deputies, uh, you get to see them, interact with them, encourage them uh, as opportunity arises. Uh, That makes a difference because that's important to us as well. Uh, But then also, especially with the inmates, right? And that's that's the case with this guy that came to my mind. Raul was his name, is his name. And um, he is a guy who I saw many, many times walking up and down over and over again and it probably started with an address book or something like that we have these little red address books that they keep their phone numbers in uh, which are a hit and I don't remember specifically the first interaction that I had with him but he was kind of testing the waters right and then he started coming to services and Bible studies and then he said hey can I can we talk and we sat down in my office and we talked about the gospel and I gave him the fundamentals of the faith and a couple other 
resources to read through that explain the gospel really clearly, and we were able to think and, and talk through those things. And uh, and then one day I was in my office, and he came and he knocked on the door, and that doesn't happen very often. And uh, his someone very close to him had just been murdered. Mm. And so now uh, he was explaining that, you know, a few months ago, I would have been knocking on your door. I would have been doing X, Y, Z instead. But now the Lord's been working in me. And we were able to sit down. And he just found out. And his first response is to walk over and to sit down and to talk about it. And we were talking about God's sovereignty in all things, his justice that we can take comfort in, um, and his mercy and kindness, and reminding him of who God is, which is generally what we need to do when we're in moments like that, take our eyes off of our circumstances and set our eyes on, on God. And the most encouraging thing, as we were talking about that, just our previous conversation had been about uh, justification and how God saves by yeah. our faith and not by our works. And uh, he, usually I make this connection, but he beat me to it. Where he said, well, you know, the person, that means that the person who took my loved one's life, I shouldn't hope for their for justice for them. I should hope for their mercy and pray for mercy on them because if they place their trust in Christ, then he will have paid for that justice that they deserve. Yeah. And uh, to hear that blew me away on the one hand that the Lord is obviously working in his heart and mind and helping him to piece these things together at such a critical moment in his life. And uh, in a biblical and sound and accurate way and uh, so that's one example right of, of where you just see the Lord's work and I think that that's what I say oftentimes is that I have a front row seat to a couple of things one is the depravity of mankind the sinfulness the wicked human heart that uh, is in every man and woman yeah. since the fall it's undeniable but at the same time, having a front row seat to the awesome power of God and redeeming power of God to step in and to give somebody faith, give somebody eyes to see his greatness and to grasp the truth of the gospel that would allow them to respond in that kind of a way in such a moment. And you just see that, wow, that's... I'm just kind of a fly on the wall. <laughs> and uh, thank you, God, that I get to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. And you were mentioning resources before, and that's another area where we see that same thing. Uh, another guy comes to my mind who uh, I gave him a book that is just doesn't beat around the bush, that the Lord's provided for us. Uh, hard to believe it's called, and it's, it's based on uh, Luke where it says if anybody would be my disciple he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me and I gave him that book and I've been meeting with him regularly and then they go on quarantine and so this was a couple you know years back and I, I didn't get to see him for like a month or something and then I see him and he shows me the book and he's read through it he's underlined it it's all 
dog-eared and beaten up, and he comes out with this understanding that he hadn't had before, and uh, I didn't even see him, you know, and so it was just like, wow, Lord, thank you for this reminder that uh, it's it's you that does the work, and uh, thank you. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's why it's so important that, um, that you know, the church is so, it, it's, it's huge. The Christian church is huge. And when the Christian church comes together and aids, uh, aids pr- uh, prison ministry, uh, it, it, it makes a difference. You know, here you have a guy that, that's locked up uh, and in quarantine, so everybody becomes a, a, a solitary confinement <laughs> inmate at that point. And... You know, what if that resource wasn't there? What if that, that booklet wasn't provided for? Yeah. These are the things that we need to look at as a church, uh, you know, nationally, globally. Where can we help? What What's my part? And I think sometimes, you know, we kind of hold back as we go, oh, well, I'm such a small, you know, uh, person or, or I don't have the, uh, the thousands to give. It doesn't take that. It takes, you know, it's what God puts in your heart. Uh, and, 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 and then you, by your action, you, you give. You know, that's what the, the Macedonians did in, in Corinth, right? They, they gave uh, uh, out of the very little. And, 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 and they were going through a lot of problems. You know, actual attacks uh, uh, on their lives. But they understood that they had given their lives over to the Lord, number one, and then to the ministry of the apostles. And, 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 and what, what, what a wonderful uh, you know, part in history, in, in Bible history, that this little, you know, quote-unquote, poor church, well, they're found in the Bible. Their faithfulness is found in the, in the Bible uh, of, of their heart and their hands going to work in the, in the, in the, in the work of the Lord. And, and I think that's what we need to, uh, as a church, just, uh, you know, we're here in the States, but let's come together and let's support ministry, prison ministries like yours, and let's get on board. You know, uh, for those of you that, that think, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just one individual. Listen, Paul said something really cool. Uh, I planted, Apollos wanted. God gave the increase. Um, that's the important part. To know that it's God who puts the increase. But you don't know if you're going to be the one that's watering, and you don't know if you're the one that's throwing seed. Uh, the, the, the awesomeness is, is that God puts the increase. He makes it happen. And that little book that you gave to somebody, they took it back to a cell. They read it, and, and I love that because it reminds me of, of, of my time in solitary confinement. Some my first Bible, uh, I had a little Gideon Bible. That thing was—I mean, it was just used. It looked like it had been uh, dragged uh, in back of a Peterbilt through the freeways. It was just red and red and red, and and that started to change my life in the very beginning stages. And I've been out for a long time, never went back in. By the grace of God, God did that work in my heart. God did the changes that, I, that, that, that needed to take place in my life. And, and, and here we are. Uh, see, I would have never thought 
never thought that I would be in a room like this with guys like, I mean, I would have been, you know, that guy behind that, that, that you know, that module, uh, cell door, whatever, you know, or that dorm. But I'm a free guy because somebody was faithful. Somebody founded that prison ministry back then and, and, and gave into it. And I'm a product of that. And I know it works because I'm living, I'm, I'm you know, I'm alive, I'm here. And uh, I never thought I'd get married. I never thought I'd have children, a believing wife, believing children. Uh, that never occurred. But it was through faithful Christians that underst understood their, 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 their place, their part in, in, in ministry, in life, and decided to fund this prison ministry that you know, decades later, here I am, and that's because of him. So if you're out there and, and, and you're saying, well, you know, I, I want to make some changes in, in this next coming year, in 2023, what can I do to support ministry? What, what part do I play? Well, here's a part for you. Here's a place where you can, you know, sustain uh, and, and fund a prison ministry only Hope Prison Ministries uh, in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, the website, it's very easy. It's www.onlyhopeprisonministries.com, www.onlyhopeprisonministries.com. Go there, look it up, research it, see what these guys are doing, and then be, join the team. That's what I would say to, to, to everybody out there. Join the team and see that these guys are incredible servants of God and they're doing phenomenal changes in the county jail system here in LA and we're seeing fruit. You're seeing fruit, you know, and I think that that's just amazing, man. Now, Steve, you work in a, you're kind of like in two places here because you're also, you're a chaplain in the LA County Jail, but you're also part of Only Hope Prison Ministries in the reentry process of this. Uh, how does that work out, and how, how do you uh, how are you able to juggle that? Well, I part of my responsibility with Only Hope is to help with uh, understanding what reentry is about. So, a lot of guys are interested in a program when they get out, or they're or will ask a question: Are you have you ever been in a program? Are you interested when you get out? And so we've partnered with uh, two very strong faith-based organizations to say, if you're actually three, if you're willing to go to a faith-based organization, we can provide the paperwork, the application, and the screening for you to get there. And uh, I developed some of the screening uh, for the guys inside the jail so that we can know who's maybe really serious and who's not. Um, and look at the applications and then submit them to the various programs and then guys will be, be accepted. So these faith-based programs, both of them are a year long. So it's not a simple commitment that this, these guys are gonna make. A lot of guys will say, I'm just going back to jail. And I said, no, you're not. You're not going back to jail. You're not going back to prison because the doors aren't locked. Mm. You're going there because you have a choice to go there. Yeah. And you're going there because you know that you still need 
some emotional healing as well as spiritual growth that needs to take place. And one year will help you. It's not magic. It's not magic. And they'll say, well, how long do you really think it takes? Some guys will ask the question. I said, to really make a change that's solid and where you know it and you're confident of what's going on inside you, I said about three years. Hmm. And you, this is your, your place to start. Dave does a great job of discipling guys in the jail. Um, he, he has a, a, because of where he's located, he's got a great opportunity to do that. The guys that come out from, say, the South facility and go into a program, they're well prepared. Um, the guys that come out from, say, Men's Central Jail, different, different setup, different way of, of dealing with things. Maybe not quite as prepared, but I'm very careful as to how to refer uh, on for re-entry. So re-entry is you're going back out, but you're maybe not going right back home. You're going to a program that you're committed to go to, uh, and you'll allow Christ to continue to change your life in that program. That There was uh, one guy about two years ago, a little over two years ago, he... Uh, was in for stealing a car, um, first time in jail, but he was a heroin addict, had all kinds of things going on, and he recommitted his life to Christ. I worked with him for about four months. He got actually released from court. Very unusual. We got released from court. We were able to pick him up, take him to a program, and um, God sustained him. And the program actually wanted to hire him after that. Wow. So, and that's just one one story. There are lots of different stories of guys that are able to go into a program, graduate, and then re-enter to their family system. So, it, it takes it takes those kinds of things to, to happen. So, re-entry is important. And I want to uh, you know reiterate something that I think Dave said that was extremely important. We as chaplains are there on a consistent basis because only hope uh, places us there and provides a salary for us. Consistency where the inmates see a face, the deputies see a face, but in particular the inmates see a face and they know who you are, um, speaks volumes to them. You're trustworthy, yeah. you're here. They see you. They see you. Uh, we were there through the pandemic uh, and I, I remember hearing more than one inmate. Well, one inmate was very specific. He said, you kept coming. Mm. You kept coming. I said, yeah. And, you know, I said, so that, that builds that connection. So the consistency is huge. And that's where follow-up comes in. But Dave is entirely correct. And that's why we as, we work for Only Hope. We're consistently there. We want to be doing that. And that's how God uses people yeah. to help bring the gospel. Yeah. You know, and, and that stick to itness, right? That, that's, it's so important. Uh, you know, uh, there's guys that are in there uh, facing uh, life sentences, um, multiple counts. And so they're there. They're, they're, they're stuck there. You know, one of the things that, that has changed, uh, and, and for the better, I think, though, is you know when I got out, there was no um, 
uh, re-entry programs. And if there were, uh, I was made aware of them. The, the, I don't think, I don't remember hearing that. I mean, you just came out with $200 of gate money from uh, a prison after serving, you know, uh, whatever you served, and pretty much, you know, figured it out yourselves with 200 bucks. Well, the train uh, and the bus ride was gonna, uh, you know, eat up <laughs> most of that, and and then how are you gonna live? You know, how are you gonna survive? And so that, the, the recidivism of that, I mean, it's just, <laughs> we got what we got. Uh, but now, and, and I say this to a lot of guys that, that come from, similar backgrounds that, that I do, is you have absolutely no excuse now not to make it. Because there are programs, re-entry programs, faith-based re-entry programs that are out there really waiting to help you. And all you gotta do is pick up that phone or walk yourself there and ask for that help. And and, and if you do that, if you separate yourself, for, and this is so important, for those of you that are listening to me and maybe you're uh, stuck uh, in that that lifestyle still, and you just got out. The first and most important thing to do is separate yourself from that community that you know of. I think that's so important. So going into and, and I don't even and I know there that's their question as you mentioned. You know how long is this going to take? The question should be whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for me never to reoffend, whatever it takes for me to never walk into another county jail or into another prison, whatever that takes, it doesn't matter. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to stay free. I want to be productive. I want to do something with my life. And and these reentry programs, such as uh, yours, uh, are so pivotal in, in these times. I mean, we have crime that has that's skyrocketing right now in Los Angeles. And, and, and in most cities that, well, uh, you know, leadership is poor in, in, the, in the government uh, uh, scope of that. But then Only Hope Periods and Ministries is existing, you know, if, and there it is. If you're listening to me right now, you could go right to a website, right on the palm of your hand with, with, your, with, your, your, with your cell phone, get on their website, make the call, Make the email, whatever it takes, do that. And I promise you, if you take those steps, the needed steps to really want to change, you got to take those steps. And if you do that, man, who's to say? You know, uh, when, when, um, when, when I got, uh, when I was, uh, when I first got out, and you know, I wasn't the, the, uh, <laughs> the most valuable, uh, uh, single guy out here, you know, you know best bachelor out here that, you know, I had nothing, not, I had zero, zero everywhere across the board. And uh, I, I've been blessed, man, to, to, to be married to a believing wife for 23 years, just celebrated 23 years this year, um, children in private Christian universities, uh, you know, who love the, genuinely love the Lord, that wouldn't have happened if, if, if you know, you gotta want to change. You know, it, it, there's there's that right. There's the, the help that's there with ministries such as yours, and then that individual has to want to make that change. And whatever that change is, they need to be willing to do that. And those two, when when they 
they combine and they join, then true authentic change happens. And you know, forget about trusting in, in government programs or secular programs. The success rate of those programs are very poor in numbers. Statistically, they they, they just they don't work. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's not enough steps into changing the human heart. There's not enough steps. The first step is repenting, coming to Christ, getting real with you, with yourself, and then with with the Lord and saying, "Hey, I'm okay. I've tried this. I've tried me doing my thing all my life. All right, Lord, um, I you know I repent. I surrender. Lead lead the way. And when we do that as human beings, whether you've been incarcerated or not, when we repent and we take that step." And trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and doing whatever it takes, man, something wonderful could possibly happen. And I'm not gonna I'm gonna sit here and, and, and tell you that everything's gonna just <laughs> smell nice and be be rosy and your fir, your your favorite song is gonna play on the radio. Uh, those things are are are, are that's not. It, it could be very well that you know uh, it, 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 it you end up in, on a uh, tough road. Uh, but here's the thing, you have Jesus by your side. You have Jesus by your side. You know, uh, that story of, of Jesus uh, in, the, in, in the boat, sleeping on a pillow. I love how the, uh, the scripture says, on a pillow. <laughs> it makes it so real, right? He's on a pillow and the waves are taking this, this vessel. Uh, his, uh, his disciples are wearied. Uh, you know, one of them runs in there, wakes him up. You imagine you're waking up the Son of God uh, worried about some waves that he designed that he made, and and and, and we gotta understand that if Jesus is in the boat, that becomes an unsinkable boat. It cannot sink. It cannot sink no matter what uh, the problem is, what, what whatever the situation might have, what we might be dealing with, because Jesus is in our lives, no matter what, we cannot sink. We'll go through it, but man, he's with us. And, and I think that's the most important thing that we need to keep in mind. I want to thank you guys for making the time uh, to be a, a part of this, this podcast. Um, well, what, what's, what is it that, that how can people help um, in this ministry, only, uh, only uh, hope prison ministries? What can we do? Most importantly, they can pray. I know that that sounds like, well, I'll just say it sounds trite, but it isn't trite. There's a reality where we're engaging the God of the universe to change lives when we pray. And the effective prayers of righteous people avail much. So prayer is absolutely essential. And you can be praying for those of us on staff. You can be praying that God would be also be guiding our steps so that we would have more of those God moments where all of a sudden we're in the midst of something because we're a chaplain inside of jail and we're able to bring the light of the gospel to somebody unexpectedly. Yeah. So just be praying for that. And certainly to be praying uh, and thinking about would I be willing to send some of my resources, some of my funds to this ministry? That's very, you know, very essential as well. But those are the two things that I would say, you know, 
be considering that. Um, your prayers will actually strengthen the volunteers that Dave and I both work with and the staff that we work with. And we may not always realize it at the time, but it's those prayers that are consistent that will build that consistency in, in that. And yes, and please be, consider giving. Yeah. One, uh, one thing that could help you to pray for us, we do have a monthly newsletter that we put out, and it's for that purpose. It's, it's uh, on the one hand, to share our joy with you, right? Even You've heard maybe a couple of different stories about the power and greatness of God in men's lives, and that's a thrill to us. And so those are things like that are included in the newsletter, um, as well as uh, prayer requests that you can be praying for some of the men that are, uh, the stories that are told, because... Yeah, I mean, when you get out, that's in some ways the beginning, right? Yeah. You need to get connected with a faithful church. You need to burn bridges. You need to build new bridges, yeah. so on and so forth. And we are, as an organization and just brothers to some of these men in Christ, we're committed to coming alongside of them and uh, not just saying, see you, maybe in eternity, but trying to run beside them and uh, help them out to get connected in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so... But a key thing of that, there's there's things that we can do, but anything that we do is going to be just because of God's work in us and through us. And so we really do cover your prayers. Yeah. Uh, and so you could sign up for that newsletter uh, on the website, onlyhopeprisonministries.com. You can view past newsletters and also subscribe if you want to just receive it. It's a once-a-month thing, but I think it'll be, it'll be prayed specifically. And that's important because then we can see specifically God's answers, and He gets the glory for it that way. Amen. And you know, you know, so 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 cool is that uh, these guys. Thank you for reminding me of that, because these guys don't just um, it's not just prison ministry. It's not just them being in the county jail. They actually assist men and women coming out of the county jails and getting connected with local churches with healthy Bible teaching churches. And that's something that, that is just rare, I think, and, and uh, because it, it's time consuming. It, it's a lot of, of, you know, putting out there and, 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 and you guys do that. And I'm so grateful for ministries like yours that it's not just handing out booklets. It's not just, you know, a, 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 a visit. It's more than that. You, you have the heart of Christ and, and you're doing the whole thing from A to Z from discipleship, from getting them plugged into a healthy uh, local Bible teaching church to being in their lives. And how do I know that? Because one of those guys that you guys have discipled um, comes to the Bible study that I teach on Saturday mornings. And his name's Rich. And this guy, um, I remember Frank calling me and saying, hey man, uh, I got this guy and I'm working with him. I've been discipling him, you know, and he's giving me the whole uh, rundown. And, um, he says he's coming to 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 your church. Uh, can can you uh, make some time uh, and to meet this guy? And so we did uh, met him. And this guy is now uh, working. He's got a a a, a, a great paying job now. Uh, has denounced uh, his whole gang leadership and and all of that stuff. And is a productive citizen out here. And he comes to on my Bible studies. I know him personally. And this is the fruit of your labor in the field of what we call the Los Angeles County Jail. 
Um, I am so grateful for both of you, man. And I can't say, um, you know, I don't, I don't have the words to really uh, say to you, but I'm, I'm grateful and I'm thankful, thankful for people like you, men such as yourselves, that have, you know, you didn't some day, you didn't even know, you know, <laughs> that this was going to be a lifestyle for you. Yeah. <laughs> I love how God just <laughs> spins it and then, you know, puts us in places that we thought we'd never be involved in. Yeah. And here you are uh, years later, uh, uh, and Steve, man, for your faithfulness uh, to the Lord, to the work of the Lord throughout the years. Um, I'm so glad that we're connected. Uh, I'm so glad that um, I get to do something for you. And, 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 and this is a team. This yeah. is a team, and, 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 I'm, and I'm thankful also for you uh, coming here. What an honor and a blessing it is to me and to our listeners um, to get to share life uh, you know, the, through the airwaves of what Christ is doing in uh, Only Hope Prison Ministries. Thank you both for being here. And uh, you have a wonderful, wonderful end of the year here as we close it. Um, and I know we're, we're, we're going to have to do dinner or something with, with Frank. And, That'd be great. And, yeah. uh, you know, we got to do something special yeah. uh, and break bread. Uh, sure. And don't worry, it won't be a, sp a prison spread. We'll, <laughs> <Yeah>. we'll, <laughs> I'm going to do that to, you, to your stomachs. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, yeah. thank you guys for, yeah, for, your ministry for, for being here. Very much so. It's a privilege and a blessing to be here. Amen. Uh, thank you guys, uh, everyone in Los Angeles. Um, we are just, um, we're blessed, man. And if 20, 2023, we have a lot to look forward to, God willing. But be a part. Get on the team. Support these guys. Look them up www.onlyholdprisonministries.com Go there right now and do your part. Be prayerful. Pray for these guys and let's make something happen. Amen? Till next time, you know what I'm going to say because on every episode since episode one, I always say it. Put Jesus first. Love you guys. Till next time.